everybody, and welcome to a stellar Wild Ride with Steve-O. We've got Bill Burr. This guy is an icon. He is a legend. He's a hero to me, and he's always been so nice and supportive of me that I was really looking forward to the day that I would get up the courage to ask him to come on the Wild Ride podcast. And when I did, he said, absolutely. And man, did we have a blast. Dude, we laughed so hard on this one. And it really is a lot of fun. Kind of like being at home and taking a dump at my house. I love it, man. It's the one thing I can't stand about being on tour is that I don't have my Hello Tushy bidet. HelloTushy.com is absolutely my favorite sponsor of the Wild Ride Podcast. And boy, do they love the listeners of it. Because if you go to HelloTushy.com slash Stevo, not only will you get 10% off your order, it's the Tushy Ace. This is a whole toilet seat that goes on your toilet. It the seat warms up. It's got a remote control. When you get done pooping, you push the button and you've got a refreshing jet stream of water. Just pressure cleaning your butthole. And you can set the water temperature to exactly the way you like it. It's the most luxurious experience. It makes being at home so fulfilling for me. And again, if you go to hellotushy.com slash stevo, you get 10% off. Plus, this is my favorite product I have ever promoted on this podcast. So jump on this deal and let's get into it. Hello, sir. It's scarier than knocking on a van door. You're not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. What's going on, dude? This is fucking cool. What's up, dude? It, it's a. It, it was so difficult for me to jump on the podcast bandwagon and become the guy asking the question, "Will you do my podcast?" That the only way I could wrap my head around it was to. Oh, you were sweet, huh? Yeah, she is. Part shepherd. Belgian Malinois. Street dog. I found her in the streets of Peru. Who would let this sweetie go? Nobody even got her in the first place. Were there other dogs that looked like her in Peru? There were some, there were rather a few, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I let, thought I was podcasting, so forgive my outfit. I was going to dress up a little more. Oh, dude, not to, <laughs> not to worry. I, I thought about giving you a, uh, you know, hey, man, are we still on? But I figured I just wouldn't. No, at some point I'm going to get an assistant. <laughs> I just got my first. You know, you know what my assistant is? Is people reminding me I'm supposed to be somewhere. I'm yeah. like, oh, thank you, Steve-O, for being my assistant today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, checking out. I'm, I'm editing a movie right now, right in there. Nice, So dude. I'll be promoting that shamelessly. Oh, I love it. Throughout this. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Burr. What's yeah, going on? dude. Um, this man. is already my favorite podcast. <laughs> to sit here petting a dog while doing a podcast is the most soothing <laughs> afternoon ever. Yeah. Man, well, it's it's an honor to have you, man. I uh, was an honor, dude. You're a legend. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> You've been making me laugh for fucking twenty years. Well, nice. dude, I, I appreciate that so much, man. Um, I think the last time we all saw each other was uh, in New York City. You stopped by the show. Oh, Caroline's. Yeah, we're yeah. psyched, yeah. man. I saw uh-huh. Steve fucking headlining Caroline's. That's a huge one. Caroline's on Broadway. It was uh, it was really cool that you came over, and uh, I've seen you since then when um, comedy started to start back up, and then we had the outdoor show. Say what parking lot did I run into? <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like didn't you do a stunt out here years ago? <laughs> they uh, set up um, in an alley in uh, off Hollywood Castle? Boulevard. Not the Magic Castle. That, oh, that was a good gig. Yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah. Wasn't that one a drive-in? Well, when they first had it, they, they the first time I did it, I hadn't done stand-up in like, oh man, well, March was when the shit hit, right? Lockdown. Yep. And then we did the, I think I did that in like June or July. So I, I, I always wondered how people stop doing stand-up. It's like, how do you stop? It's so fun. How like, Do you know when it's your last one, right? So when this pandemic hit, remember in the beginning, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, 
about 14, 21 days, everybody stays inside. Because yeah. that's yeah, what everybody's going to do. To the curve. Because everybody's going to play ball and just listen to the people. No, yeah. everybody did whatever the fuck they want to do, which is also what makes this country great. So uh, then all of a sudden I took a month off. I'm thinking, well, I've been doing this shit almost 30 years. This is good to take yeah. some time off. And somewhere in May, I just stopped even thinking about stand-up just stop thinking about it because I usually like I see something I'd be like oh, I'm going to talk about that that's basically how I, I come up with bits I see something I don't write it down I just kind of go up and just riff on the bullshit and hopefully it turns into something and somewhere around May like I stopped doing that and I was watching like cooking videos and shit like learning souffles or whatever on the internet and I had this big fucking panic attack like going like oh my god like I kind of like through this virus have sort of quit doing comedy so Anyway, when, the first one I did coming back was that one at the Magic Castle. And it was outdoors, which is always, you know... Weird. You always... If you're doing a show outside, you just automatically feel like you're bombing. Because, yeah. like, all the light... All the, all the laughs just go up into the clouds. <laughs> and it doesn't come at you. Or if there's, like, a roof, you can feel like, okay, they still like me. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. see if they like me after this one, right? For sure. So that was all gone. And they were, like, in cars... <clears throat> And, and no they handed they had those you know those stupid things you go like this yeah. and it's two hands clapping oh. so it's like these plastic things so you tell a joke out into this dark parking lot and there would just be like this brutal pause that felt like a like a kick to the chest and then you just hear a couple yeah. But couldn't they just clap at that point if they're holding a clapper? Like, what's the you difference? Know, Were they holding you, them outside you know, the, 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 the window? Most people, if they're the just told to do something, they do. I guess you know? so. Yeah, so like, well, nobody okay. doesn't. People don't start to think, and then you have the other people who think too much, and then they start thinking the world's flat. But there's there's a, there's a, there is a sweet spot where yeah. you're in a show right. could be like, or I could just do this, right. and then they were like, they would flick their lights, they beeped, but but what what I got out of it, um. It was funny. It was a one-show adjustment. By the second show, like those little tick, 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 tick things, I, I, I got in the mindset like, oh, this is what killing sounds like. All right. <laughs> and, or, or having a good set sounds like. But what I, I got out of it was like, like the, uh, I was saying when I was on there, I go, when this fucking pandemic is over and somebody says to you, hey, man, I am the biggest fan of stand-up comedy, you have to say, oh, yeah? Did you sit in your Ford Focus in yeah. a fucking parking lot with plastic hands <laughs> because you hearts. missed hearing jokes? I was like, you guys, yeah, you're like the people that went through like the depression or the dust bowl <laughs> of like comedy. You can say, I was there, man. I fucking showed up. Where were you? Yeah. W weren't you relieved when the... Uh, were you touring when the um, pandemic happened and then you didn't have to get on the plane? You're like, oh, thank God. I'll tell you the one thing I did not miss was LAX. For sure. Yeah. I just... I Every time I go into LAX, all it is is a, you just want to get to your seat on the plane and know that your bag fit. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, now... I have the amazing technology of travel where I'm going to go across the country and what used to take people, you know, months and they die and shit. I'm yeah. going to do this yeah. for six hours. I'm going to fucking complain. Louis C.K. had a great bit about that. And, um, and I never forgot that because I was one of those people bitching on the plane. I saw Louis one time on Conan just going, dude, you're in the fucking sky. Oh, the internet doesn't work. It's like, you're yeah. Yeah. What you're like, really is did you fly? I'm yeah. so guilty. You used to have to like hike through the fucking mountains and we're just yeah. flying over them. You just in there, Jesus Christ, <laughs> wearing suits we're only in like Denver. Denver. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I was totally one of those guys. It was one of the, like my favorite bits I, that I love. And Louis does this a lot in guys of his caliber where it's, they sort of expose you for the, the shithead you are. And it's, it's, those jokes are the best when you're by yourself because you can't play it off. You just got to sit there like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> Dude, I'm 100% guilty of complaining. I complained about airports and airplanes so much. Like, yeah. I can't. But after the pandemic, when we came back and we had to wear the fucking masks and, and just, like, after that break, it, it was so much harder to get through an airport and a flight. And I, they were, like, delayed more because there was yeah. no f people flying. Right. I was a big mask guy, dude. I loved them. I'm down for them. <laughs> I love the mask. I fucking love the mask. You like yeah, wearing it? Or do you like other people wearing it? Like, I mean, I, 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 I've given up on, on, on all of that or whatever. Because I, I don't even know if they even fucking worked at this point. You sure. know what I mean? But, um, but I was going to listen to some shithead who has no medical degree tell me, they don't fucking work. Oh, is that what your fucking degree, <laughs> your lack of a degree tells you? It's just like, yeah. so I'm going to go with the liars I know rather than people that 
you know, know that they're being lied to. But then it's like, well, then now what do I do? Now I, I'm going to step off into the wild and just assume because someone got kicked out of the medical field that they were one of the good guys. That got, that, not everybody who gets kicked out of the medical field gets kicked out because they're a good person and they're, they're telling the truth. There is that. Yeah. And there's definitely, you know, pharmaceutical companies, synthetic heroin, all kinds of crazy shit that they don't get called on killing a bunch of people uh you know so i understood where like that was coming from but like you know i was in my emotions like everybody else and you just wanted it to be over and it was just like just do what they say so at least we're all on the same page so they can get some sort of analytics to try to get us out of it so i was into that for a while and then after a while i was just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sound like the old man you know pick up your trash i, didn't, I was just like all right i'm gonna do what i you know i think everybody at some point came to uh i'm gonna do what feels right and then like that, but I gotta be honest, with you, I miss the mask. I miss it, dude. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> dude, I, you get out of so many fucking conversations. Like conversations <laughs> become quicker. It's like, why well, not? <laughs> it just becomes really efficient, yeah. and then you just get the fuck out of there. And then it's like, there's no record of you really being there. You're always just walking around like you're robbing a bank. It was kind of fucking awesome. I, I, I was in an airport yesterday, and I, I had two thoughts as I walked in. Oh, I don't have to wear a mask. But then I was. My next thought was, oh, but I'm about to walk into, like, the hell of taking pictures every fucking five seconds. And I was yeah. like, man, I had a panic that I didn't have my mask in my pocket. <laughs> it's like, wow. I just want to cover my face. Yeah. It's like a comfort thing. I fortunately thing. don't really have to deal with that, which you? is good. No, you, this guy's a fucking movie star, man. Like, I, I, I have my niche. I got my shit jokes and the people that like it. And I'll just run into somebody like, hey, you're that guy, right? He's like, yeah, I, I'm, I like being at that level. I, I think with you, though, people are like might be timid to come up because you might just roast the shit out of them if they come wrong or something like that. Yeah, well, I, think that I think that I'm... <laughs> no, I, I, I just tease people if they're being... Yeah. Like, I went to this thing the other day, right? It was just this thing that was disguised as a brunch, and it just turned out to be this big marketing meeting. It was fucking hilarious. So I'm sitting there and I'm eating this lamb chop and this guy comes up to me and starts talking to me. And I just looked at him. I was like, you know, you had three hours and 55 minutes to not talk to me when I was eating a lamb chop. I'm going to be here for four hours. Can I just eat this thing? Are you going to keep asking me right after I took a bite? He was another comedian and he laughed and he's a friend of mine and everything like that. But then, of course, he rolled with it. He's like, no, man, I'm going to talk to you through this whole fucking lamb chop. Then it became fun. And it didn't bother me because it became a bit. But uh -huh. if somebody's just doing it, then it's annoying. So I found with people like that, I mean, that you know, it's cool that they 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 want to talk to you and that type of stuff. So like, you you always have to be like, okay, somebody could not be doing this, but the payoff then is I'm selling no tickets and I'm back to that you know sitting in that fucking one bedroom apartment with my IKEA furniture, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and all kinds of rug available for yoga because yeah. I don't have any money. Um, so I, I would rather have this existence, but the happy medium of that selling tickets right. and living a great life is wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I wish I was Asian. Cause I could get away with it. Cause they've been wearing them for like the Asians. Are yeah. the shit, oh, yeah, they, man. They've been wearing them since fucking SARS. They used to wear them on the plane when they had a cold. Yeah. Just cause yeah. they had a cold and the level of considerate consideration. I, I don't want to give it to the rest of the plane. Nobody does that. It's amazing. But if you've ever been over to Asia, which is incredible, is there's so many people there that you understand that, that okay, this is how we're living, so we, we have that. And I think, you know, with every area of the world, you can learn something. I'm kind of like, you know, it would be cool. Because I remember before the pandemic, when you'd get on a plane, you'd sit, sit next to some guy, and he's just, oh, <laughs> and it'd be like, it'd be great if this guy was wearing, a, the you're just seeing like, oh, so this is sick. what my life's going to look like in three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Um, I, I love that I've been able to graduate to the tour bus and the theaters. Oh that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, it's already you already don't have a real job, and then you get to travel around like fucking Barry Manilow. You're like, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> fucking dragging a piano behind you. I, I, I say this a lot that uh, that I really believe anybody who claims that they're on the comedy club circuit because they they love comedy is is either lying or more mentally ill than I am. <laughs> no, I. I took mushrooms and figured out, I finally figured out after 50-something years why I actually do comedy. Like, I thought I did it because I, I loved comedy. 
And I realized, no, that's not why I do it. It was like, it was the easiest way to go into a room full of people, make them like you, and then they won't beat the shit out of you. (laughs) 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 That was, that was the subconscious. I need to make people like me. So this bullshit stops. Yeah. Did did you travel with a a tour bus? No, I mean, I have, I have, the only way to make a tour bus work I find is if you because you got to do like a run of dates. Yeah. So you got to pay for the bus, and then you do that that stupid rock star thing because the driver's like, "Hey, you want to take off right after the gig?" You're like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's get some of the driver out of the way," and you don't realize that you're paying overtime. Yeah. It was like one time my when my wife was uh, pregnant, we were getting work done in the house because we had to make a, a baby room, so we rented this house. And we fucking heated the pool for the whole fucking month like idiots, not realizing how much it cost. It cost me twice as much what it cost to rent the fucking house. <laughs> so the tour bus can be like that. We're like, oh, yeah, I paid for it. It costs this much. You don't realize there's overages. So I just yeah. I go out and um, and if I can drive to another gig, because I still love driving. Um, I go out with uh, Club Soda Kenny, and we just we get like a like just like, you know, SUV and just cruise. And then I like, you know hitting spots you know mom and pop spots to eat right. and shit like that and having something to look forward to while I'm out there so the guilt of not being there with my kids but FaceTime helps that so I never go out more than like three four days but if I oh, was wow. single and I, or if I didn't have kids then I would get a cluster of cities done yeah. via tour bus the great thing about the tour bus is like it's a great way to stay out of trouble you can get a lot of trouble mm. but if you use it right it's literally like you're just insulated I go I do my show I come back yeah. I watch a movie I hang with the other comics and it's cool yeah the, the, the hell of the comedy club grind was the airports the airplanes the radio stations and the hotels and the tour bus takes all of that away yes you just you just have a cozy little pad which magically just shows up where you have to do your one hour of work. Oh no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I I I knew guys uh that would literally have the tour bus pull up to their house. They would pull up to their house like, All right, honey, see you later and they just get on the bus. They just have no date scheduled. No, no, no. <laughs> They're going golfing. Yeah, yeah. Going golfing around the country. Yeah, no, it's I um yeah, it's insane. None of it makes sense, like how big comedy is right now. I, I kind of right. think I figured out what... But I, I think the thing about it is, is like it's not like music where there's like genres that have their time, you know? Uh-huh. Like metal or, or disco or, or mm-hmm. uh, grunge. Comedy, people always want to laugh. So I feel like as a comedian, an old comedian at this point, I have to keep going down to the store because the young comics keep you young. And comedy does change like music, but as long as you're in it, you don't notice it, you know, it's like watch you don't see yourself aging and then you look three years ago, it's like, fuck, what happened to me? You know? It's the same thing with like comedy. If you're down there every night, it's changing incrementally and you kind of get dragged along with it. And I found that guys, when they get to the, the tour bus theater thing, you gotta keep doing the clubs because young comics keep you young because uh I I can't ex- it's not a way it's not a real way to explain it, but like I, I used to see, you know, I've been in this business so long, I remember the heyday of, like, sitcoms, and comics would get sitcoms, and they, they would, once they, they got to that third season and it looked like they were going to make syndication, you'd just see them less and less at the club. And the thing would go, like, six, seven s- seasons, and all of a sudden, they didn't do stand-up for the better part of a decade, and then they would come back. and Like it, Ray Romano or something, right? No, Ray always did it, and oh. that's why he... No, I, his last I, special was so funny. Ray so Romano, great, and so that's good. and I used to watch guys like Ray and Jerry and all of them. They would keep doing it, but then I saw other guys I won't name who didn't do it, and when they came back, it was like they had to learn how to do it again, mm. and and they would be like, he would get super frustrated, and they would feel their age, and um, like I'm, Zoolander too. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bad movie. <laughs> I don't think I even saw it. Yeah, but I believe you. I never, yeah, yeah. I never saw. It. Yeah, you know, in defense of the actors in those things, they usually don't want to do the second one, and then they go, "We'll give you this." Nah, man, I just don't. This really, we told the story. Nah, man, we'll give you this. Yeah, you're gonna give me the, and we'll give you. That. I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. And then you get in there, and it's just like, it, it, I, right. I always wondered if, as you're making a movie, if you know it's bad, like, because there's no way to tell. 
No, like, because just, everybody on the crew is just like, that was so good. And right. everybody's kind of doing that. And then it gets to the theater and they're like, it's well, a great question. And fuck? until it's cut together, like, you don't know. You know, like, that felt. Right. Well, good, we're doing, but... we're sitting right now outside. Oh, yeah. yeah. What is it that you're doing we're, here? Now, I just asked Bill that question, and he's going to answer it by giving me the information he wants me to know, which is a very sensible approach. Now, in other areas of my life, do you think I want to be giving people information that I don't want them to know? Because that is happening left and right if you are not using NordVPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. What it does is it disguises your location, your IP address, so that people can't be snooping around, getting your private info, your passwords, into your bank accounts, all that. It's just crucial cybersecurity 101. And on top of that, by using NordVPN and changing your your location on the internet, changing your IP address, you can switch your location to be in other different countries and access all of the content that those countries provide. Let's say, for example, I want to enjoy the better quality shows on British Netflix. Boom, NordVPN makes that super easy. It makes me safer, it makes me happier, and it brings me joy by opening up a whole world of content to me. You'd be crazy not to sign up for it, and they've got an exclusive deal for you, the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast. You go to nordvpn.com slash stevo, or just use the promo code stevo at nordvpn.com, and you get a huge discount off of NordVPN, plus you get an anti-malware feature, and it's risk-free with the 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not totally satisfied. So jump on this, man. Get on over to nordvpn.com slash stevo and feel safer and, man, watch better TV. All right. What's Bill Burr up to? I, I shot a movie called Old Dads that I wrote with uh, my writing partner, uh, uh, Ben Tischler. And uh, the first time I got to direct something, I was oh. in the thing and we were just making it. I just, every day, I was saying to the producers, like, is this good? Do you think it's good? Do you think we have it? Yeah. <laughs> Did we get this scene and everything? And now that we're editing it, we're almost through the first editing. But I got to tell you, dude, when you first look at the assembly, the fat yeah. cut, especially a comedy. This is basically the journey that you go through. It's like every day you do six minutes is what we've been doing. So you come in and in the first six minutes, you sit there and look at the footage. And in the morning you think, I just made the worst movie yeah. Hollywood has ever seen. <laughs> I'm going to be living with my parents. By and then somewhere around noon, you're like, you start getting hope. And by the end of the day, you're like, dude, this movie's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> We're going to do a whole bunch. And then the next day you come back in the next six minutes, you're like, Oh my God, I made the worst movie ever. It just, it just keeps going through. So I'm hoping when we go to the second um, pass, when you do like 20 minutes a day, you can get through it quicker. And I, I've been talking to everybody that I, I know that are directors. They go, no, dude, it just keeps tightening up and tightening up and tightening up. And I've been leaning on them a lot and a, a bunch of friends of mine. And, and I find that directors are really, really supportive really supportive people so. yeah wasn't there that martin scorsese quote when he's like if your first cut doesn't make you feel like you're a fucking complete disaster you're not on the right track yeah or something like that something I like that yeah i talked to a guy uh i worked on this thing i'm not dropping any names but this a big actor and he had made a movie that i loved and he goes let me tell you something about that movie he goes when i saw the the assembly of that thing he goes i thought i ruined my career mm -hmm. and he was so like stunned of how bad it was when he looked or how bad he thought it was because it ended up being a great movie he was riding the subway he was in New York he was riding the subway and he had a cut of the movie next to him and he was just sitting on the train this stunned look when he got to his stop he was so fucked in mm -hmm. the head he got off without the footage he just left it he just walked off like a, like a zombie yeah. I did when I, when I did the India thing the first thing I saw right. I, I, I was like I just wasted all that fucking money on this dog shit how long does it take for you guys 
because your shit is so tight and it's just bit bit yeah bit bit and there's and every scene has like fucking eight guys in it and it's just like oh my god does it go straight from the shot to the editing bay or how does that work um Let's get into the minutia of editing. I think that this is what, this is what people... So when you have a dirty over... What, what, you, what program are they using? Is that a stutter cut they it's were doing? A, they record on Avid, or they edit okay. on Avid. They, I do believe it goes straight in there, and, and we take our time. We'll, we'll shoot for like a week or two, and then we'll just shut down, and they'll work on it. So by the end of it, we can be more targeted about what we're even going to shoot. Like, and uh, then how does it work with all of those guys? People got to be like, dude, you didn't get my fucking backflip in there. Why, why isn't that? <laughs> oh, dude, everything. I landed on everything. those tacks for uh, nothing. <laughs> nary a personality in the film has not had butthurt moments yeah. where they really, really like third temper tantrum. Well, more like feelings tantrums. Well, what you guys do to your body, the fact that no one's going to see it. And it's like, so I did right. that for nothing so I can feel right. that when I'm 80. Yeah. <laughs> right. 100%. I almost yeah. just lost a testicle for nothing. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's insane. What? What? Uh, so, this is a independent film. Or oh, no, it's with it's with Miramax. Oh, so, well, yeah. So we put it together and then we do the dance to go sell it. So that's what it's going to be. Cool, man. As far as I know, <laughs> uh, this is my first. I'm usually just you know the dancing monkey actor guy, and they go, "All right, thanks a lot." And then right. a year later, it comes out. So now it's kind of cool to, to go through. The whole process, minus the, the 1,500 panic attacks I've had throughout. <laughs> <laughs> and this was your first time directing, like, anything? Yes. And it was a movie. Like, what? Yeah. That's that's kind of a daunting task. I had task. a lot of help. Okay. I had a lot of help, and I, I made, you know, and I came up with this system that worked, especially when I was, like, uh, going to be on camera on a scene. So, like, I, I, I and actually being an actor helped. mm because I hate when you, if you do a scene and after the first take, the director's already out there going, you missed this beat and this, and make this blah, blah, blah. And then you do another one and then they come out again. By the time the third take, you're like nose blind. Like, I don't even know what this fucking thing is about. So we came up with this thing. I, I was joking with everybody there. I was like, you got to let the horses run. You got to let the horses run. You got to do three takes of this thing because everybody <coughs> knows what they're doing as far as actors. But it's like, I don't know what you're going to do. So I got okay, you know, okay. So he's bringing that. I got, I got to have time to take in what you're doing, and and you taking what I'm doing. And then after I found after like three was the magic number as usual, that it would start to to get legs, and then you could start to guide it, and then um, and then how you give notes is the yeah. way. You don't come in saying you're not doing this. You come in pause. Like you say, okay, that was great. We got that. Because you. Should. <laughs> <laughs> we got that is great when somebody's yeah. completely in the opposite. Okay, we have down. that version. We got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But all the seasoned actors knew. They were all like going like, oh, you see, fucking hated that. I was like, no, no, no. It's just, I need as many, dude. I'm going to be in the edit room. I need as many options as I can. But like, uh, that was always hard when you had a seasoned vet. Can you try it this way? And, the, and they would be like, well, that means you're not going to use the other one. And I'm just like, can you just fucking... <laughs> <laughs> You directed it, but you also acted in it. Yeah. What's that St like? Stupid. <laughs> it, was, it was a stupid move. How long no, were you filming is, for? It was, but it, but we, it, it was weird for like a week and a half, and then we had the system down, and then everybody just gelled, and it was a, uh, it was a really fun set. Everybody had a good time, and then I just kept getting food trucks to keep, just keeping everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Um, is the way to go, which is great when you grow up in like a volatile environment. You learn how to keep people chill. Yeah, how to sort of keep <laughs> yeah, things all of level. That yeah, shit helps out, or you know. So yeah, that's kind of what we did, and I think uh, yeah, we're dealing with shit right now that I'm gonna have to go deal with. That's cool. So and, this is a uh, nice break for you to not look at the screen for a while. Yeah, was uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Oh, so kind of dog. It was and just, production yeah. at the kind of post pandemic. Is it? <laughs> She's purring. She's snoring. Oh my god! Can we please get audio of that? I want to go to sleep to that. I call that purring. Oh my god! She's like the dog and the fucking Bugs Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> not the dog. I mean the, the the frog, but it wouldn't sing when you wanted to. You know what I love right. about dogs is they remind you that you need to sigh a lot during the day. They do it all the time. I saw the dog do that. My dog unfortunately passed away a little while ago, but uh, I got. Once the kids get bigger, we're going to get them. And I always love that about dogs. Is even though they're lying down and chilling and not doing nothing, they still every once in a while just go. 
You're right, buddy. You're right. I always feel like they're reacting to my energy like, of all the fucking dog owners, I had to get this fucking guy. It's like an eye roll. I got a good 10 to 15 years. I'm supposed to be living a dog's life, and I got this guy with Wall Street fucking energy walking around the house. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a particularly needy dog owner where she's like, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. No, but dogs, dogs need a needy owner. I, okay. I feel like strong people get cats as much as people who have cats like dog people like you know I'd say strong slash reptilian cold people kind of like cats yeah because you get less love from a cat like the dog is to love you like, yeah because so, you need it oh yeah and it helps you know yeah the cat is like right. you, no, you gotta do- be good without the cat dogs to are get the greeters cat. man you come home yeah. they fucking flip out it's awesome they're the best cats you can be dying and they just like fucking just walk away from your body and if you die and no one comes in there they start eating you yeah do they there's no food yeah wow is that like a thing that is a thing because i know uh, i ran into i ran into somebody cats. i went to high school with and they were like, you remember old man so-and-so? I was like, yeah, he died. They came in, the cat ate half his face. And I'm just like, hey, man, good to see you, too. <laughs> I guess you really never can go home. Oh, my God. Yeah, dogs will, like, run over and pick up the phone and dial 911 and, like, you know, pound on your heart. Yeah, they'll to, like, jump, out, jump through the window, uh-huh. cut themselves. <laughs> okay, I got a random question. I, I was, like, really thought about this. Curi- genuinely curious right. if you've ever apologized for a joke. I was legitimately nervous to ask that question. Um, genuinely scared. And I'm also very nervous about what I'm about to share right now. It's uh, sensitive information, but I'm so proud. I just have to blurt this out. Last night, for the first time in my over five-year relationship with Lux, she came twice in one bone sesh. Is that something? I mean, unbelievable. So what's the secret to my success with my sex life with Lux? I'm just going to go ahead and say, Blue Chew Tablets, baby. What are Blue Chew Tablets? They're delicious. They have the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, except they only cost a fraction of the price. They give you a super boner for super sex like the sex i had with lux last night yeah dude man now of course you have to have a prescription to get this i mean i think everybody knows that but what's so great about blue chew tablets is that you don't have to go to a doctor's office or anything like that you simply consult with the medical provider at bluechew.com it's very quick it's very easy and your bluechew tablets are on the way plus here's the great news for the listeners of the wild ride podcast if you use the promo code stevo at bluechew.com you get an entire month's supply of bluechew tablets absolutely for free all you have to pay is five bucks for shipping again that is an entire month's supply of bluechew tablets which i love with all of my heart absolutely for free all you got to pay is five bucks for shipping so jump on it and have fun boning now let's see how this question goes over <laughs> yeah 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 but i do it to an, the individual that i hurt if i was if listen if i'm in a bad mood okay now some asshole's gonna cut that right there see comedian should apologize because that's everybody's like fox <laughs> yeah. news and cnn now like <laughs> staring at <laughs> they'll cut out all this part no if i'm in like a bad mood and like, or if I did, if I told a joke about something that somebody had a personal effect to, and I and I made him sad or made him cry, you know, yeah. there's that comic thing. Well, fuck you, lady, you shouldn't have come out. Like, I don't take it to that level. It's just like, yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't, I didn't think of that. I didn't know you were gonna be here tonight. What are the fucking odds you were at that thing that I was making fun of? You know what I mean? But that can happen. But what I think is, I I, I refuse to apologize to anybody that is upset that they that they heard a joke at a show they weren't at you know when, <laughs> especially if somebody yeah. filmed okay if it's in my special that's different i decided to like put it out or whatever um but like you know if it's one of those things where someone in the crowd films you and then they put it up it's like get mad at them and you 
because you you saw the subject and you clicked on it. So I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah, you had all of these other fucking things. They have like they have, they have videos of just dogs snoring that you could watch <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and feel good about your day. But yeah. you went out of your way to fucking watch this thing. It's on you. Well, the fact that it's shown up in their algorithm means that they're fucking already in the the energy field of all those videos. Yeah. And that's something I love to do, blaming the victim. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you watching if you saw it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did it pop yeah. up on your no, feed? No, I, I, I uh, I'm a big believer in if you are wrong and you feel you're wrong, you apologize. But I'm not a believer in the mob mentality, and I'm now going to apologize just because it's not worth it. Because then all I do is give that strength that that's okay to do that and then some other comic's gonna have to deal with it so um mm -hmm. uh, yeah so like yeah if you come up to me after a fucking show i mean i i'll listen to you and i'll be like uh, and if i agree with what you're saying i'll be yeah all right okay i fucked up i'm sorry I, yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a personal thing i'm sorry i'm sorry you went through that or whatever and i found you can like actually they'll be cool with you in the you know people like anybody like us we want to be heard so but as far as that, that, you know, that professional being offended so you can move whatever cause because mm -hmm. you feel like you can fix society, you know, with your <laughs> ideas. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't get into that. Yeah. Okay. What do you enjoy doing better, TV shows or movies? Or stand up? Uh, I will tell you this. It was a long time ago. It used to be movies, but now TV shows are, is, are so badass. Speaking of which, we're in a credit here. Reservation Dogs. Yeah, I I had a blast doing that. Um, uh, Breaking Bad, Chappelle show. I thought I, Breaking I somehow Bad made it that way. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I would say The Wire before that. Uh huh. Um, Sopranos. Just, yeah, HBO and, yeah. And, and and Dexter. Basic cable was the thing that showed like all of a sudden like, you know, you can go to this level. And I'm still waiting for the sitcom. To. Uh, to get to that level and I feel like there's always been like a glass ceiling on how funny you can be in front of a live audience like at a, at a sitcom because the the suits get all nervous with any sort of thing that isn't like you know just a fastball mm -hmm. you know good American values right over the plate mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> that's why I was really rooting for when Norton and um, Louis did uh, Louis sitcom like I thought what Louis was doing was gonna like hopefully break Jay Moore a long time ago did a great one um, that Peter he played Peter Dragon what the hell was it um, he played this producer and then that was on Fox and that was another one that I, I thought sort of exp but that was more of a one camera but that sort of expanded to like you know okay people are adults they know what's phony now so they want to see something that's real or absolutely absurd, I feel. And um, especially because now the average person on YouTube is making a video and then they read comments. So even they, in a way, are like in an editing bay and they learn yeah. what plays and what doesn't. And they actually know what it, in, a, in a small way what it's like to make something creatively and bomb and have it, <laughs> have it get yeah. zero stars and, uh, you know, and have all of those awful feelings. Um, how, how was it to make like F is for family? You're able to like let a joke breathe a lot more than like a, a sitcom, right? Or a TV show? Yeah. And, uh, and Netflix was awesome because their thing was when we did it. The, I remember when we when they read the pilot episode, they were going like, yeah, push it further. And that was like the dream note that you were <laughs> waiting for. But like that was and that was one of those things like Mike Price uh, from The Simpsons. He, he's the co-creator and the, and, the, and the showrunner. He was he was the captain of that ship, so I can only take so much credit. He like if you like F is for Family, Mike Price is the reason why you like it because all of that stuff that I had to do on this movie now, I already respected <coughs> Mike, but now having done this, I'm like, oh my god, like the amount of questions that this guy has to answer um, that I didn't, and, and the amount of decisions that he had to make. So, um, and then also, you know, Vince Vaughn, when you know when I pitched doing an animated show, it'd been a while since like uh, comedians had done like an animated show like Howie Mandel and Louis and uh, Louis Anderson rest his soul had, had had done those and they you know this industry is really like what's happening now so someone hadn't done one in a minute so I think me pitching a cartoon was weird but uh, Vince Vaughn got behind it and was sitting there in the pitch meeting so when they were looking at me he's like why does this idiot want to do 
uh, a cartoon, they'd be like, oh my God, that's an A-list movie star. It's <laughs> yeah. Vince Vaughn. He believes in it. So I, I always felt like Peter Billingsley and Vince Vaughn, I got to make sure I say everybody's name that got that thing going. Um, they were the reason why that that thing got on the air. And then I just, you know, I mean, I literally learned how to write a script on that thing. I learned how to do three different takes of a line. All of that shit that I didn't know because I came up as a comedian. I'm like, I tell the joke. This is how I tell it. If it bombs, I <laughs> yeah. move on to next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that the idea with comedy? Like you got into comedy to do acting or did you just only want to be a comedian and it kind of just happened? I always want to be a comedian. Comedian. I, I, all the comedians that I love became great comics, obviously. I, you know, those ones that I watched. And then they... they they got picked up on stuff. Yeah, like, you know, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, uh, Cheech and Chong, all of them. And then they would go into movies. And I was really watching. Um, and then you'd see other people that they get a shot. And because they were in comedy clubs and didn't take enough acting classes, when they got that shot, you know, you'd get your shot. And if you didn't, it's not like today, man. Back then, when you got your shot, that was your shot. And if you didn't get it, dude, like you got put all the way to the back of the line, dude. And I'm telling you, you had to wait like seven, eight years. You had to wait for studio execs to die or get fired. <laughs> to be like, forget. is it okay yeah. to go back in that building Fuck. again? Because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we tried something with you and it didn't work. You're the it doesn't work guy. Um, so you just stayed in comedy for a while? No, I started taking acting classes early on. Oh. Um, yeah, it was always acting and comedy, yeah. Well, I remember I ran into a comedian... And he was one of these guys that, that uh, he was a young comic and a redhead, I think. I think that was him. Yeah, a long time ago. And he told me a story like, you know, I went down to New York and he had this look on his face. And he goes, dude, I went up and I killed and there was some head of NBC was there. And they were like, dude, you're so castable. And they brought me in. They gave me a script and I didn't know what to do with it. And the way he told the story, I, I just never forgot. And he's like, dude, uh, my biggest advice to you, forget all this, you, this comedy stuff, just keep doing it. But like take acting classes along the way so when you get your shot, um, you know you, you don't blow it yeah you don't blow it so wow. thank you to him that's good um, I saw something where uh, you said that you learned how to fly a helicopter because you looked into the banking system <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong? I mean, I mean what's I going on right now? Yeah, you almost got your motorcycle. Well, right. right. Like, I I was on a fucking airplane sitting, flying across the Atlantic to London, sitting next to a guy who was on the U.S. rowing team going, he was going to go compete in fucking Finland or something. Dude, how shredded was his back? (laughs) (laughs) Seven. And and he's sitting there reading this book by Neil Strauss called, uh, like, fucking How to Survive, some, some survival guide thing. And I was interested because Neil Strauss wrote the Motley Crue book and he's like this epic writer I was going to say talk about a wide variety right and, well, I guess and, it's all about survival if you're talking about Motley Crue <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> these yeah. guys somehow survived being right. in Motley Crue and going to Singapore <laughs> so, this, <laughs> so, so this guy explains what the book's about he's like oh well in, in the case of natural disaster or economic collapse or you know nuclear or whatever like and there was just and a whole variety of scenarios which represented shit hitting the fan and the first thing you gotta do is get the fuck out and he said that this guy recommended motorcycles because you could split lanes to get out that's great it's a lot cheaper than a helicopter license (laughs) 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 but but uh so so dude so i turn around and like the next i only have a two-seater too so i'm gonna have to make a selfie's choice (laughs) 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 who's coming who's staying well i don't want to fly so i know i'm going I uh, I turn around and fucking and enroll in motorcycle school because I because I bought onto the idea of this you know that's like, cool though but then you learn something I know but here's the fucking thing dude like what did you as, ride it, it, well as soon as I enrolled in motorcycle school and I enrolled and it's gonna be like another weeks before I actually have the the classes yeah. as soon as I enrolled every single fucking Everywhere I went, someone's like, oh, I get to go visit somebody in the hospital. They were like, you know, yeah. they have fucking motorcycles. It was 
motorcycles just kept coming up in conversation and it was always the worst fucking thing. And then when I got there to the actual class, I realized that like you got to have like a clutch on the motorcycle and I've never even learned how to drive stick in my life. So while they're trying to teach me, I'm like, oh, well, fuck, you know, like you got to remember the clutch and you know, it just delays your reaction time and, and already... Like, I'm just like, I'm a dead duck. I Can I ask you a question? <laughs> when, when you were in the... Because I took the motorcycle safety course, and I got my license and all that. I rode for, like, two months, and someone almost took my head off going over the double line in a turn. And I remember, like, coming back. I was riding a Triumph Bonneville, and I was literally shaking. And, I was, and, and it's funny, because I never pray. So I dial up God for the first time in years. And it's like, oh, look who called. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want, Bill? Right? So, you never call just to say hi, do you? So, I, this fucking guy puts me on speaker doing this shit, right? So I fucking, um, I just said, if you let me get back to Dean Del Rey's garage without losing my leg or my life, I swear to God, I'll never ride this fucking thing again. And I didn't. But now I kind of got it back again. And I'm thinking of getting like a dirt bike. Just to ride around, I I fly out of this little little ass airport, and I'm just just gonna ride around there where it's safe, so I still have the skill. Yeah. So I know how to do it because I think they're 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 fucking badass, man. I I. But when you took the class, didn't you look at a couple people just being like, "Why this person's gonna die?" Right. Yeah. I remember wow. that was Steve. They were yeah, looking the, at the, him. Yeah, was, it was a three day class. the The first day was in a classroom. The second day was in a parking lot, and the third day was in a parking lot. And I fucking quit after the the first parking lot day I, i'm a motorcycle school dropout oh. <laughs> now it didn't it didn't you hurt just, you could have just completed because you would have got through i know it. but but here's the here's the thing and then you know how to do it and you don't I, have to ride i almost shouldn't say this but but after my first day in the parking lot actually riding the motorcycle i had a date later that night with like I didn't want to say anything. I fucking <laughs> really like. She was like voted by Maxim Magazine like the seventh hottest woman on the planet. <laughs> so the, the next day to get up, the next day to get up to go to class. And, and when she asked bad. if I wanted to meet her dogs, <laughs> I did, <laughs> and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a real. Any you know what? That's a that's a good excuse for not completing. That's all right. Seventh hottest I, woman I, in the world, I, and you blamed it on like I, motorcycle I, accidents and deaths. I, 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 said, I said, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna go to motorcycle class. I, that shit was gonna fucking kill me. Dude, anyway. Most guys ride motorcycles so they can meet that shit. You, you like preempted it. So it's like, what do I need a motorcycle for? Yeah. All I'm gonna do is get road rash in my dick. Yeah. yeah. yeah wow. Yeah, you're like but, looking at the stats. I just don't think it's right. It's not safe. It's not safe. <laughs> and then you just raw dog the random shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Safer but, than riding a motorcycle. <laughs> The <laughs> a lot safer. The uh, so the, the how often do you fly your helicopter? Well, what sucks is right now because I'm involved in this, I'm not allowed to fly. Okay. They're like oh. they, they'd say, okay, you can try and kill yourself after we get a cut of the <laughs> of the movie. So, um, I haven't flown since uh, February, right before because uh, I didn't realize that. But I mean, I went up with an instructor or whatever. So uh, I'm like, you know, really safe. And those, you know. Uh, as my instructor says, uh, aviation is as, as safe as you are. And you would be surprised. Like, there, there's only two cut types of pilots. Pilots that know they can die, and then the other people. Who just show up, like, I mean, bullshit pre-flight. Just fucking cranking and just take off. You look at their whole attitude when they take off. It's like, dude, if you have an engine failure right now, you're just going to nose into the ground. Or you see people, like, flying super low, flying really slow. It's like you're dead. If your engine dies, you don't have enough altitude to regain your airspeed to keep this fucking thing going to go into a flare, like an auto rotation, and you're fucking dead. So they, there's like, you know, with anything, dude, there's like these major things that if you implement them, you look at the weather, you do your pre I only fly when it's nice out. I only fly up to a certain knots of, of winds because, I mean, I mean, I can fly in it, but why do I want to be up there fucking bumping around and everything? And you know you can you can get the odds in your favor. And now, like you should see, you should, like I'll show it to you. Some like the cockpit I have, all glass cockpit, and I'm literally like an air traffic controller now with the uh, with the technology where you can. Back in the day, when I first started flying, 
Like, you would just talk to people. You didn't know where anybody was. It was just um, them reporting. So if you went out, you know, east of here, where all these fucking yahoos are, who aren't, they don't even talk on the radio, and all of a sudden, they go flying by you. And you're like, dude, what the fuck? Now you can see them coming. You can literally, like, put your finger on the screen, and their tail number will show up. Mm. And you can talk to them. The arrow points in what direction they're going. There's a thing that says plus six, minus five, I mean, 600 above you. So wow. you, you know exactly... Where the fuck they are. So. Is that bad for drug smugglers? Huh? <laughs> I got a good one for you. Uh, instructor told me, uh, you know, when, when anytime the vice president or the president comes in town, there's just a massive TFR wherever they are. Uh, uh, temporary flight restriction. Like, you're not allowed oh, okay. to fly in there. And if you do, you're warned, and then you get intercepted by, like, a fucking, I don't know what, you know, an F-16, which wouldn't work with the helicopter because we fly so slow, they'd have to keep going by us. <laughs> so they probably send some sort of presidential-level uh, Secret Service helicopter up there. Um, there was a guy uh, flew into a TFR, didn't do his pre-flight, and that's one of the things you do. You look to see if there's... Because you get in major fucking trouble if you fly into one of those, even if you just fly over Dodger Stadium two hours before the game, yeah. uh, there's a t two hours before the game and after because there's going to be all of those people. They just, you know, don't fly over that. If you fly into that, the FAA is calling your tail number. I mean, I don't know what happens. I don't want to find out what happens. So this fucking idiot did not check and he flew right into it and he wasn't on the radio and he got intercepted and they landed and it turned out it was a drug smuggler coming oh, up from Mexico which usually then you're not going to be on the radio but at least <laughs> fly around the shit and they forced him down and he had a whole plane full of drugs and that was Fuck. it and if he had just looked at his TFRs he could have still been bringing cocaine into this country. <laughs> yeah, you can't even fly a drone over Dodger Stadium during the game where you go to jail. I mean, it's pretty Did you fly crazy. a drone over Dodger Stadium during the game? No. <laughs> Dude, there's a guy and they can't find him. And I don't understand why. The guy has a fucking jetpack. Yeah. And he's, he's been hovering right outside. Like every couple of months, he'll just be there. At Dodger and, Stadium? No, at LAX. And he's, he's sitting there like he's at fucking Buck Rogers. <laughs> so my thing is like, how many people buy jetpacks? Like, we can't get some people on this. So the funniest shit ever that's online, you have to listen to the radio calls. Is they're talking to somebody flying in anywhere from three to 600 people. Going, yeah, just like, you know, after the left, you got a uh, guy in a jetpack. And then the pilot's like, yeah, we see him. <laughs> and, what he just, and everybody sees this shit and he just... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they don't know who he is, right? It's like a mystery. I don't understand on what black market this guy bought this fucking jetpack. Because yeah. I, I remember I was watching the first 48 one time, and this fucking idiot bought a 50 caliber Desert Eagle. And I guess not a lot of people have them, and he killed somebody with them. And then they just went, all right, who bought a Desert Eagle? They had, it was like, you should have become the first 48 people. minutes. They fucking, they fucking caught this guy in like an hour. That's the best show ever. Yeah, well, I, I got a, a buddy of mine, former cop, hates that show. Because uh, okay. I was watching that show going well, like, I don't understand why they keep talking. I'm like, all you do is say, <laughs> right. am I, I being charged with anything? If I am, if I want a lawyer, if not, I'm leaving. He goes, that's why I hate that show. Because it, it teaches dirtbags right. how to beat the system. I, the worst one I ever saw was they brought this guy in. They go, and there was some old guy that was got murdered in the park. And then they say to this guy, he's a suspect. And they go, <laughs> they go, hey, do you know old man Johnson or whatever? He's like, yeah, yeah, I know him. He goes, you good friends with him? He goes, yeah, I see him around. He goes, uh, well, uh, I hate to tell you this, but we uh, we just found him in the park. He was murdered. And the guy just worse acting ever. He stands like, what? Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just sign the confession. <laughs> and he just literally watched a guy. It, it takes somebody's see. life away and just throw their whole life. It's like, that guy's going to jail for the rest of his fucking right. life. He should have taken an acting class because when his moment came, <laughs> he would have been ready. He should have watched the it. first 48. Yeah. 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 Just ask weird. for a fucking lawyer. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see that picture of the Ramirez brothers courtside like an hour before right, they killed the, their... The, the Menendez. The, the Menendez, like the twin brothers or whatever. There's yeah. like a picture of them at a basketball game sitting courtside. Everybody's like cheering and they're just like straight-faced... It's an eerie fucking picture, and they're like, this was like two hours before they murdered their parents. Wow. Isn't that Jeez. weird? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it'd be weirder if they were, like, stoked and, like, cheering and happy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you know what that just reminded up. me of? Do you remember in Scarface, 
when there's the comedian on stage and everybody's cheering and all of that stuff and everybody's watching and Tony's cooked in the corner and everybody's dying laughing and the Palma just pans across and there's two people just sitting there like that and the ones with the Uzis under a napkin. <laughs> yeah. I love the Uzis under a napkin. Like at some point <laughs> they just took them out and then put... Would you like something to drink? Hang on a second. Let me just put this yeah. right here. Yeah. Where he's like, let me get that napkin. Like, no, no, no. Don't touch That's the right. napkin. Leave so, the napkin. Yeah. Did you see that clip going around with Amber Heard snorting coke on the witness? Yeah. That that not- was, I mean, I get my news from TMZ, and they said that was absolute bullshit. Did you see it, though? It like I she, have not been she looked like she, watching that. Yeah. Did you see she, it? She definitely did not do cocaine on the stand. No. Yeah, I Although, don't know. But she's that crazy. I'm, I'm not talking out of school because the guy put it in his book. If you want to see somebody doing cocaine on TV during a Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, Thomas Hollywood Henderson of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, you have to read his book. His book is fucking unbelievable. The guy was doing, he was basically Lawrence Taylor before Lawrence Taylor, but because of drugs, he messed up his career. So that's why Lawrence Taylor looked like he fell out of the sky. Like there was nobody, there was no like link, you know, like Uh with bands. It's like this band did this, then they did, oh, that's where they came from. It was like Lawrence Taylor just came from outer space. But like, like Hollywood Henderson was a linebacker. He like returned like a, 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 like a kickoff to open like a Super Bowl 10. Like nobody did that shit. And he almost got a touchdown. And um, he was doing coke in the 70s before people knew how to do coke. So it was just raw. He was like cutting it up with like a matchbook or something. And like his fucking nose was so far. He had a hole in his nose. Yeah. So what he would do before a game was he would just pack his nose with cocaine so it was numb. And then he would go out and play. And then during halftime, he'd be blowing his nose. As Tom Landry, the straightest lace guy ever with like a fedora, looked like he was on like dragnet would be telling him what to do in the half, and he would be in there blowing his nose and then repacking it with cocaine. So anyway, when the second time the Cowboys played the, the Steelers in Super Bowl thirteen, he had cocaine and water. And remember those Vicks things when you had a cold? <laughs> and there's footage of him going like that, and they, they, people think he has like hay fever or something. He's actually fucking blowing lines in the Rose Bowl oh, <laughs> during shit. the Super Bowl. Damn. You ever yeah. just pack your hole with cocaine back in the day, Steve? No, uh, I just... discovered that I had the hole. Uh, it's called a deviated septum. And I discovered it when I was in the psych ward, mm. like days after my intervention. How do you, uh, how so how I just fortunately that? have been clean and sober ever since then. How do you I discover? Just, I just thought you went to an ears, nose, and throat doctor. <laughs> oh. And they flashed a light up this nostril and it came out the other side. And oh, like, dude, I, I've Steve, taken, do you I, do cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. What are you talking I've taken pictures where I'll put the flashlight on on my cell phone and stick the flashlight in one nostril and fucking... It really does that, Yeah, you can see... You got the Hollywood Bowl spotlight coming out the other one. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But I I forget how, but but once I discovered it, like, I, I managed to thread my nose with a shoelace. Knoxville came to visit me in rehab. The glass is always half full. (laughs) (laughs) This is really sad or (laughs) a new trick. An opportunity. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of cocaine used to burn a hole through your nose, right? Yeah, yeah. I I didn't fuck around, man. I... I, I was I was pr- pretty strong in the in the drugs department. Um, well, hey, dude, fucking like, uh, tell us again about this project that you're editing. Oh, so yeah, it's just it's a comedy. It's called Old Dads. It's just about guys my age that have kids later in life, and then you go to school and it's like your kids in kindergarten and you were in kindergarten 50 years ago, but your brain goes back to that's the way it is and how everything's changed and uh, it's just it's a simple comedy formula. but it's it's not done it's like my act so it's definitely rated r even though there's dads in the title but i think uh i think people are gonna like it and and when's that projected to come i don't know i'm 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 supposed to like this whole summer i'm just living with the thing and uh i'm actually enjoying editing which i didn't think i just you know i got massive fucking add uh-huh. and uh so i had to fight the whole no this takes looks good it's like no we have to watch all the takes right let's piece it together and i'm just sitting there fucking you know nervous fucking legs restless leg syndrome watching it but now i'm i've settled into like that's what it is and that's what's going to fix this any problem that i'm going to have in it so i've just i just sort of i gave into it you know i'm drinking coffee now i never drank coffee in my life and just every once in a while i'm just like you know, when you have your head in the oven, it's just like, 
I suck, and then you drink. It's like, no, I'm awesome. <laughs> Let's get this going. <laughs> and you're uh, you're touring, but just not like just a few days at a time. Yeah, I go out, you know, just a couple, two, three days, and uh, yeah, and then I come back, hang with my kids, and you know, I, I try to edit while my 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 kids are at school, and then and then I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit. I come home a little bit after they've gone to school but then I have that last two hours of crazy time with them every night and uh, it's funny dude like how they view me I didn't even realize it my, my father-in-law was uh, was in town he's the best dude like, I really lucked out with my, my in-laws they're fucking really cool people and uh, he was just like laughing because I'm in the living room and it's just like they just like they just jump on me flying elbows and just you know coming <laughs> off the couch and stuff and uh, you know yeah I'm definitely I think I'm more like the my my wife is the one like she like throws down the gauntlet uh when it, and she's really good at it and uh I, I it takes a lot like i have one tone of voice that i go to that they actually listen to me everything else they're just like ah shut up dad like, <laughs> i've kind of lost some credibility i don't know if you can get that back we'll see do they have any concept of like your career or like what you do yet um not really and i i don't like you know i don't like bring that I don't have like fucking posters or shows or anything there's right, nothing right, in the right. house that says yeah that I do but you know my daughter knows what I do I don't want to watch my act um but like obviously but like uh like my son has no concept but my my, my daughter like knows but like you know I just have to explain to her when I go on the road like this is why we can go to Chuck E. Cheese and go skateboarding right, you know? right. <laughs> I gotta mm-hmm. the man has me running on the wheel okay I, I'll explain that to you when you get a little older yeah that's great, man. I think I just well, it. the uh, it you know, like uh, I, I saw the the your you got the accolade from Rolling Stone of being the heavyweight champ of rage-filled comedy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I think it's just it's just that's uh, someone who just watched clips before they had to write that. <laughs> Right before they went out and hooked up with the seventh hottest woman in the world. <laughs> what do I got to well, write about this bald orange? Well, idiot? no, I, I love that. I, I love that, and uh, I just found I find it ironic because you're the nicest guy, you know. Yeah, and the perception if you watch two minutes of my act is that I walk around like I mean I was definitely a very angry man when I was in uh, my thirties. When I was in my twenties, I didn't understand. I was still like, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, I want to do. And it was, oh, I love this guy. He does whatever. So I had this weird phase. And then in my 30s, as my life wasn't coming together the way I thought it was going to, which is, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. I'm at this age. I should be here. Like, the only thing that was working was my stand-up. And everything else was still, like, at the starting line. So I definitely went through uh, that period. But, like, I kind of undid it in my 40s and in my 50s. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm a pretty simple person. Like I'm not. There's not too many layers to me. Like I swear to God, if I have like a sandwich and a fucking little cigar in an afternoon, I mean that's it. I mean, what the fuck more do you need in life? So, um, I'm I'm lucky that my wife understands like that too. Because I, I was telling you, you know, there's that disease in this business, and just or just any business that if if as you're selling more tickets or, or doing better in your job and you're making more and more to buy more and have like a bigger life or it's like or I could just fucking be happy with what I have not buy any more shit and then someday when this business is done with me and it kicks me to the curb I didn't blow all my money on on right dumb shit and I can like uh, you know still eat some scrambled eggs and not have to panhandle yeah I'm I'm not into any flashy shit really I mean I, I like to have a cool podcast man but Oh, dude, this is sick. <laughs> I uh, my my tour bus um, is a, a piece of shit RV. <laughs> like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, you know you know the one I, I wanted to buy the one from Stripes, the uh, one that, that GMC made <laughs> oh. with the six wheels. I always wanted to redo one of those, and there's one that's the the it's the Palm Desert package or something, and it's like to, total Ron Burgundy. It's that fucking 70s green with the floral, like, captain's chairs and a green shag rug. And I was just thinking, man, if I ever fucking redid one of those, put a humidor in there with some cigars and shit. Oh, the moving cigar lounge. Oh, my God. 
Oh my god! Mobile cigar me? lounge. Yeah, You're sick. I know. But then you got to watch because then then all your demons are just right there. Put a stripper pole in here. And then was, yeah, yeah. I, that's another thing too. I learned. That's when my drinking got out of control. Was when I brought it home to the house. And then I could, oh, there's a, I don't have to go out to a bar. Because before, like, I always had it under control because I had to go out, you know. If I felt like getting a drink, but I was at home and I was watching a game, you in your sweatpants, it's like, dude, I don't want to fucking take a shower and fucking go out and do all of that shit. So then you just wouldn't drink and then it wouldn't get a hold of you. But when I had it at home, yeah, I had this thing where um, part of conspiracy theory, uh, you know, it, it, you get massively overwhelmed and depressed when you're reading that shit. Um so how I, I then I after I got out of the conspiracy theory shit I went the other way, and I started watching like Me TV and all these old fucking <coughs> shows from when I was a kid and everybody on those shows drank and smoked, <laughs> so I would just sit there they were drinking I was just I was drinking with like Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. like every fucking night watching Seventy Seven Sunset Strip, and uh, and you know it was started off with this then it became that, then my wife started getting on me like Jesus Christ look at the size and I started I go it's a home pour I started. <laughs> <laughs> you go out to a bar, they take out the eye droplet. It's just like, it's not a fucking drink. And then I remember one night I came, I've told this story before, I came down the stairs because she goes, don't have another one. When you have three, you start snoring like your dog here. So I was like, all right, all right. And then I was like, oh, I just have two. I can just have two, right? And then I was just like, you know, there's still, you know, eight minutes left in the show. I'll pour another one. So I poured the other one and it was over and I was walking down the stairs to our bedroom and I didn't know if she was still up or not. I literally was hiding it on the side of my leg, trying to make sure the ice cube wasn't going to clink against the side of the glass. And I was just like, I am like this close away from having a bottle in the back of the toilet. Let me, let me just step away from this shit. So um, I'm not like an alcoholic, you know what I mean? But I, I do think that addiction is like, is more of a spectrum than you either are or you aren't. And I think that if you're a habit guy like me, no different than sugar and salt. Like I never crave McDonald's unless I was in a jam and I ate it. And then for like the next three days, mm -hmm. like I see the golden arches everywhere. Like, dude, I'm gonna get a fucking yeah. another double cheeseburger, man. So, yeah, I smoked a cigar, and then I was like, man, are these bad for you? Then I looked up, I was like, how many cigars did George Burns smoke a day? And it was like ten to fifteen. I'm like, great, I can do two a day. You know, it's like it's so easy. There's for me no to way. There's yeah? no way he smoked ten to fifteen a day. Why? Google told me that. I don't know. I know. And if you know who put that information out there, a cigar smoker that's trying to get his <laughs> wife off his back. Yeah. <laughs> He smoked 15 a day. Christ, I'm a lightweight. Yeah. I'm only smoking seven. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. Well, man, hey, man, let's get you back into your edit base so you can be, all right. be with your kids. That was fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and, uh, thank dude, you. I'm really happy for all your, your, your... You've already had success, but like to see you... like I was so psyched when I saw you at Caroline's. I was telling my wife, I'm like, fucking Steve-O was playing Caroline's. I remember when he was like starting out... You know, he just got sober and all that, so I'm really happy for all of you. Yeah, I appreciate that yeah, so dude. much, it's man. fucking awesome. And your dog rules. Yeah, um, she does. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, man. Thanks, Thank bro. You. All right. Look at that. You <laughs> slept through the whole thing. <laughs> what, what, what do you say to that? I mean, come on. It's uh, so cool, dude. Sat down, and one of the first things he said is that I'm a legend. Are you kidding me? That guy is, I mean, what? Anybody in the world, top three. I mean, greatest comedians alive. Dude, so stoked on just knowing that guy, let alone like having such mutual respect. Dude, what a bro. I'm really, really stoked on that one. And as you know, I'm really, really stoked on you for sticking around to the end of the Wild Ride podcast. What can I tell you that, uh, that's special okay i might have drummed up a new collab skateboard design for me and my bro wee man okay you heard it here first it's the fucking dopest design of all the skateboards i've designed this is by far the dopest design i can't wait for everybody to see it um and fuck thank you so much yeah dude Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.